Bibles, can you turn with me to the Gospel of Mark? The Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. And we'll read together verses 1 to 5. That is the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. We'll read together verses 1 to 5. If you have it, say, I got it. If you don't, say, wait on me. Mark chapter 5. And I will read in your hearing verses 1 to 5. And I'm reading from the New International Version. And the Bible says, They went across to the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, and he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Bow your heads with me as we consider for our time together a walk among the tombstones. A walk among the tombstones. Lord, we thank you for giving us things in spite of us. In spite of decisions we've made. In spite of choices we wish we could undo. Every morning you wake us up. Your mercies are new day after day. Lord, we woke up this morning. We didn't put our hat on our feet and our shoes on our head. Father, we woke up clothed in our right mind. Lord, we have reasonable help, and Lord, for that, we give you thanks. You don't have to do another thing for us. You are worthy all by yourself. We ask that you be with us as we open your word this morning. Heal us in a place that we've been asking for all year. Do it right now. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Jesus and the disciples are coming out of a storm. The clouds are clearing. The Galilean Sea has just had the storm of the year with sustained winds and frequent gusts that made the disciples fearful. The winds surf and the swell's height were so strong that the fishermen were thinking of nothing but imminent death. What started out as a celebration on the other side of the lake turned into the fight of their lives. But now the storm has passed over and the sound of rain is replaced by the smell of rain. Jesus has become a Marvel hero, defeating both Thor and Poseidon, calming the winds and the waves with two words, peace, be still. He wakes up sleeping on the boat, and he doesn't yell at me, but he yells at the things that disturbs me, the things that disturb my peace. The thing that unnerves me and the things that cause me trepidation, he wakes up, And he says, peace, be still. Jesus' mission knows no clock, no calendar, and no boundary. He will stop at nothing to rescue those in need. He is on his way to go behind enemy lines without backup and without cover. You need to understand that Jesus confronts the devil in church in Mark chapter 1, the devil in the wilderness, and now he's on his way to confront him among the tombstones. He fights enemies, both foreign and domestic, on land or on sea. 
He is going behind enemy lines under orders from the Father to save a man who has been held hostage under the enemy's grip. The crowds take selfies with him. The Pharisees Facebook stalk him, wondering what will this crazy man do next? This man cannot be bought. He cannot be sold. He is on a mission. And the Bible says in verse 1 of Mark chapter 5 that they go across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. It simply says they go across the lake. They encountered a storm on the lake, but they make it across. They are fearful on the lake, but verse 1 says they make it across. The thing that tries to kill them is now but a testimony. That's why I'm not ashamed of my scars because I'm stronger than the thing that tried to hurt me. God has brought me across some lakes. What about you? God bringing me across the lake shows me that there's a difference ah, between a test and a storm. There's a difference between a storm and a test. The storm says you're going under, but the test is to believe that you're going over. The storm says Jesus is asleep in the boat, but the test is to believe that he's not asleep at the wheel. The storm says the winds and the waves threaten my life, but the test is to believe that he holds my life in his hands. The storm can make me fearful. But the test is to believe the one who made the storms, who controls the winds, and who can walk through waves. The storm outside of me creates a storm inside of me. And the test is to believe that he can calm the storm on the outside and the storms on the inside. I wish I had some honest people this morning that can testify that God has brought me through some storms. And he's bringing me across the lake. Verse number two says they come across the lake and Jesus gets out of the boat. And a man with an impure spirit comes from the tombs to meet him. The Bible says Jesus gets out of the boat and a man comes to meet him. Um, Jesus gets out of the boat and a man comes to meet him. Um, I failed out of college. Um, I'm not that smart, but I understand the difference between a first person proper noun and a third person plural pronoun. Jesus gets out of the boat. They do not get out of the boat. I know you all didn't come for an English grammar lesson, but, but you need to understand the difference between Jesus and they. Between a man meeting him and a man meeting them. The disciples stay in the boat. The disciples see the man coming, but Jesus doesn't turn away. They make it through the storm, but they will fail this test. The same question they ask Jesus is the same question we should ask them. Do you care that we perish? God has saved you from a storm, but here is a man and you don't even care about him. Jesus calmed the storm raging in the sea. But Jesus, can you calm the storm in the graveyard? And if you believe him, then why do you stay in the boat? You stay in the boat, Jesus, and you take a walk among the tombstones. You need to understand something. Um, the Myrmidons and Troy, um, they ran into battle with Achilles. 
in Thor, um, verse num- number one and number two, Thor's entourage going to battle with him against Loki and Malekith. In X-Men, the X-Men fight with Xavier, not behind him. Even the Autobots and the Dinobots stand next to Optimus Prime, but the disciples are afraid to stand with a man who can calm winds and waves with two words, peace, be still. They're afraid to stand with a man who can sleep through storms like a baby in his mother's arms. They're afraid to stand with Jesus even after they see him cast out demons out of a man in church. But as soon as they come to the tombstones, they stay in the boat. You can do it in church. But not walking among the tombstones. Jesus will pray for you, will fast for you, will donate money to you, will intercede for you. But please let us stay in the boat. Um, When it is that you go to an electric company, you expect PG&E to have power. You expect the electric company not to be operating on battery power or generator power. You expect them to have an autonomous power source, but here it is, what do you do when the electric company comes to you with all of their safety equipment willing, able, and available, but when they see your problem, when they see your downed power lines, when they see your felled trees and sparks flying everywhere, they stay in the truck, frozen. There is a critical difference between the disciples in the boat and Jesus stepping out of the boat. They can stand in the boat and point out problems, but Jesus walks toward problems. The disciples' power source was flooded due to the storm they just came out of, and the winds and the waves short-circuited their faith. So when they get to the shore, they have nothing to give, and they stay in the boat instead of being partakers of his divine power. Every time Jesus does something significant, he wants you to understand it's not for you, it's for somebody else. Who will cry for the little boy, lost and all alone? Who will cry for the little boy abandoned without his own? Who will cry for the little boy he cried himself to sleep? Who will cry for the little boy he never had for keeps? Who will cry for the little boy He walked the burning sand. Who will cry for the little boy, the boy inside of the man? Who will cry for the little boy who knows well hurt and pain? Who will cry for the little boy? He died and died again. The disciples stay in the boat. They will cry for the man, but they don't care to help the man. They want to stay safe. Jesus gets out of the boat. And he gets the notes from the, from the county social worker who follows up on this unnamed man. The social worker's notes is contained in verses 3 to 5. It says this man lives among the tombs and no one can bind him anymore. Not even with a chain. For he is often chained hand and foot. But he tears the chains apart and breaks the iron shackles on his feet. No one is strong enough to subdue him night and day among the tombs and in the hills. He'll cry out and cut himself with stones. The social worker says this man is disturbed. This man has been committed. They have done a 5150 at least 10 times, but no one can subdue him. 
He is homeless and it seems as if people try to help him. They try to control him. They even try to subdue him to the point of four-point restraints. When that didn't work, they tried chains. When the chains didn't work, they tried shackles. They tried it over and over and over again. They called the fire department. They called Homeland Security. But nothing they did could subdue the man. So they left him alone. Every intervention and care plan open for this man failed. He is shackled because he's a danger to others. And he's a danger to himself. The social worker said there's no diagnosis in the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Mental Disorders for this man. This man isn't crazy. He's not cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. This man has a demon. He has self-destructive behavior. He lives in a destructive atmosphere and he tries everything and he just gives up. Lives among the tomb and the hills, crying out and cutting himself. But when it is that he sees Jesus from a distance, he runs and falls on his knees in front of him. And he shouts from the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, please don't hurt me. Jesus gets out of the boat. He doesn't turn away. Jesus gets out of the boat and he does not run away, but he stands right there waiting for the man. The man runs and falls and shouts. His petition is driven by his desperation. His plea is made fervent by his problem. He runs, he falls, and he shouts. He's saying, Jesus, please see me. Jesus, please help me. Jesus, please hear me. What do you want with me? Please don't hurt me. Why do the demons have more knowledge when he live in cemeteries than the disciples who've been rolling with Jesus for over a year? Why do demons who live in the graveyard have more knowledge about Jesus than the disciples who just came out of a storm? He would cry out not wanting people to come near him. He lives in a place where people cannot see him. He tries to control his demons with external restraints, with a chain, with people holding him down and handcuffing him and shackling him over and over and over again. Crying out in desperation like Wolverine in the wilderness waiting for imminent death. When he sees Jesus, he runs to him and falls on his knees and shouts from the top of his voice. There is something inside of him that even though he has a problem, when Jesus sees him, there's something inside of him, a GPS that connected with Jesus and Jesus cuts through his sin, the demon possession and the self-hatred that when he sees Jesus, he knows his solution is near. He breaks his neck to get at his feet. Saying, God, I'm guilty and I'm stained. I'm trapped and I'm chained. I'm cutting myself. Not because I want to see blood. I'm not in control. I want to feel something. I don't need therapy. I don't need a 5150. I need more than a psychiatric observation. I need a savior. I need a fountain that is filled with blood, that's drawn from Emmanuel's veins, that when I plunge beneath that blood, 
I'll lose all of my guilty stain. I'm not ashamed to tell you that he's the son of the living God. He is Jesus Christ and he's the holy one. But why do demons know more about Jesus than people who walk with him day after day after day? God, though I'm vile and defiled, condemned to die, separated from the source of life. You come to me through a storm. And when you see my problems, you don't turn away. When you see my problems, you don't do like the disciples and stay away. But you meet me where I am, walking among the tombstones. People who cut themselves, engage in self-destructive behavior, are being controlled by something that's inside of them. They're being controlled by something inside of them. And it turns people off. Because you can see my scars. Because you can see my wounds. Um, you'll, you'll pray for me. But you won't get near me. Um, like the man of steel and kryptonite. Um, you need to understand that kryptonite isn't from earth. But it's from krypton. Kryptonite is from krypton. And the man of steel, Superman. He has a weakness because of what's inside of him. He is repelled by the green stuff. He can't go near it. When he goes near it, he gets weak. Even if he wants to help somebody, he is unable because the kryptonite makes him helpless. You see, you need to understand that when you try to help people that are controlled by sin, you cannot do it because the same weakness is inside of you. And your own powerlessness scares you. That's why you stay in the boat. The thing that's inside of us does not propel Jesus away from us, but it propels him toward us. I'll say that one more time. The thing that's inside of me does not propel God from me, but it propels him to me. When Jesus sees me sinking deep in sin and I'm far from the peaceful shore, he knows that I'm very deeply stained within and I'm sinking to rise no more. He hears my despairing cry through the wind. He hears my despairing cry through the storm. Here it is. He hears me through the storm and he goes through the storm to reach me among the tombstones. And when it is that he comes to me, He won't go away like the disciples. He won't turn away like all the psychologists. He won't run away like the church folk. Jesus won't stay in the boat. Jesus tells him, come out of him, you man. Come out of the man, you impure spirit. Jesus does not stay on the sidelines. He does not help you from a distance. He comes into your mess. And hear me, he does not rebuke you. He rebukes the demons inside of you. Here it is. He gives you the same treatment that he gives the Sedini people in the boat. When the disciples woke Jesus up and says, Master, do you care that we perish? Jesus rebuked the winds. He did not rebuke the disciples. Some people can only observe your self-destructive behavior and report your living conditions. But they cannot do anything about it. They are experts in pointing out what restrains you. 
They're experts in pointing out what detains you. They can only point out your problems because they have the same problem themselves. I learned that a few months ago when I was here and I bought a, 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 I bought a Mustang convertible. And I went to the dealer and I, and I picked up the Mustang convertible and I took it to the Honda dealership. Um, because I have a Honda Civic. Um, I, took, I took the Ford Mustang to the um, um, Honda dealership right up the road. And um, they said, you need to take it to the Ford dealership because Ford knows best. Um, so I get a safety inspection at the Ford um, dealership. They give me a breakdown and explanation of everything that's wrong with the car. Um, but they said in order to fix the car, you have to go to a mechanic. Because we don't have the time. I'm just a safety inspector. I left saying, God, some of your people are just like that. Not not in the yard, y'all, but people you know. Um, when it comes to pointing out problems, you're real good. But when it comes to fixing problems, we say send them somewhere else. You need a mechanic, not a safety inspector. I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't turn away from me. He doesn't run away from me. He's not afraid of my self-destructive behavior. He doesn't just point out my problems. But he comes with solutions. When it is that they present Jesus with a problem, um, it's more than one demon as it, as it is in Mark chapter 1. Jesus asked the man, what is your name? And the man replied, we are legion, for we are many. Now Jesus has a legitimate reason to get back in the boat because maybe he's bitten off more than he can chew. But Jesus is teaching me that he can speak to the storms outside of me. And he can also speak to the storms that are inside of me. He can speak to the things that disturb my peace. But he can also speak to the things that disturb my mind. He can speak to storms outside of you. Storms like unsafe, crazy, kooky family members. Crazy co-workers that get on me every time they see me leaving work after sundown on Friday. Even tempting demons. Jesus can speak to storms outside of you. External things that harass you and disturb your peace. But the storms outside of you exacerbate the storms inside of you. The legion of demons were once outside of the man. But now they are inside of the man. Making him cut himself. Making him hurt himself. Making him hate himself. To the point where he's living among the tombs. Crying out. And hoping for death. Check it out. Jesus uh, can speak to the storms outside of you and the storms inside of you. I mean, you need to understand something critical. He can speak to the storms of your own creation and the storms you did not create. He can speak to the storms that you did not make and the storms you did make. Um, we're all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Well, maybe not you, but, but I am. And there are some storms we did not create. I did not ask to be an orphan. I did not ask to be abused and in foster care. I did not ask to be abandoned, but I'm so glad that Jesus can speak to my storms. Some storms we create to deal with the storms inside of us. Some people who drink. Some people who smoke weed, some people who shoot up synthetic drugs are trying to cover up the pain of the storms on the inside. 
And if all you can do is point out the storms without pointing them to Jesus, then maybe it's better that you stay in the boat. When you walk among the tombstones, expect to get yelled at. When you walk among the tombstones, expect to get cursed at. When you walk among the tombstones, don't expect people to fit in neat and perfect categories. When it is that you walk among the tombstones, you're not walking alone. You're walking with the man that can speak to storms and calms the winds. You're walking with God. You're not by yourself. You're walking with a man who put wetness in the water. You're walking with Jesus who put the oxygen in the atmosphere. You're walking with a man who put the sun on day shift and the moon on night shift and neither miss a day of work. You're walking with the king of kings. Solar eclipses do not blind him. Lunar eclipses do not obstruct him. He walks through storms. He walks through hospitals, walks through sick wards. He does not wear hazmat suits. He does not need gloves. He does not observe contact precautions or Ebola infection control. I need a doctor like that. What about you? A doctor who's not afraid of demons. A doctor who's not afraid of cutting people and yelling people and crazy people. I need a doctor that can work under hazardous conditions. I need somebody who's not afraid of blood. Who's not afraid of my self-destructive behavior. I need someone who doesn't need garlic. I need someone who doesn't need a rabbit's foot in order to do their work. I went to Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper could only report my problem. He could not help my problem. I went to Oprah. I told her my problem. She could only inspire me and give me some coping mechanisms. But she could not fix my problem. I went to Ayanna and I asked her to fix my life. But they all referred me to Dr. Jesus. They said Dr. Jesus is a great physician. He gives comprehensive service. He can give you a checkup, an EKG, a CT scan, an invasive Whipple surgery without touching you. He gives you a heart transplant and a mind transplant. He is your doctor. He'll write all of your prescriptions. He'll give you all of your medicine inside your room. I'm so glad I have a doctor that can walk among the tombstones. The walking dead cannot do that. Dracula cannot do that. He can just walk through bats. Brad Pitt can only walk through zombies, but they cannot help me when I'm living among the tombstones. Not even Denzel Washington can help me. He was an ex-CIA agent trying to live a normal life. Living in a one-bedroom apartment, eating out at 2 o'clock in the morning, reading books that his expired wife told him to read. Working at Home Depot, he goes to this Russian restaurant trying to buy this girl that he befriended for $9,800. The girl was a prostitute. The girl wanted a better life. She wanted to be free. And Denzel Washington saved her by killing all of her pimps. But he is motivated by this codependent need to help because he is able to do it. He wants to help any and everybody Because of his desire to be a savior. I know you all are good church folks and you ain't see the equal odds, so I'm going to just tell you about it. But even Denzel has limits. Denzel can't save everybody. I'm not going to walk down your street, so I'll just talk about myself. I was pipping myself. I was prostituting myself. I was turning tricks with the devil. But Dr. Jesus made a house call. He came to pay a ransom. When the devil says the ransom for his life will be blood, Dr. Jesus says, devil, you got a deal. I will pay your price. But the devil tried to win an audible and says, I don't just need blood. 
I need life for a life. Dr. Jesus told me I'm going to save you, not based upon how I feel or some codependent need to help everybody. I'm going to save you, even though there's nothing inside of you that deserves to be saved. There are no redeeming qualities inside of you except the things that I put there. I'm going to save you. Here it is, not for what's inside of you, but because of what's inside of me. I wish I could tell you it was some distant hero. I wish I could tell you it was some sojourner from among the stars. But Jesus walked among my tombstones when I was an orphan. He walked among my tombstones when I was a foster kid. When I was there cutting myself and hurting myself, I even tried to hang myself. But Jesus walked among my tombstones and he says, Joe, I'm not afraid of your demons. He says, Joe, I'm not afraid of you. You don't repulse me. You don't repel me. You might try to push me away with your behavior. You might try to throw me away. But Joseph, I'm not afraid of you. I can go to your dirty places. I can go to your dingy places. I can go to all of the places you try to hide. Hear me. Even the places the devil is afraid to go. I need a God who's not afraid of me. I need a God who's not afraid of me when I'm cutting myself and hurting myself and harming myself. I need a God who won't stay in the safety confines of the boat, but who will come to me in my stuff and walk around my tombstones. Whether you're trying unprotected sex or synthetic drugs, you need a God who's not afraid of you and who's not afraid of your demons. I'm so glad that God does not wait for permission to help me. If God would have asked the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, for permission, it would have been a problem because he turned water into wine without a license. If God would have asked the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, for permission, they would have said, no, you can't do it. You you are not a conservator because, Jesus, you kill fig trees. If God would have asked the AMA, that is the the American Medical Association, for permission to help me, they would have called him a charlatan because he practiced medicine without ever passing the boards. If Dr. Jesus would have asked the NEA, they would have said, you are out of order because you're teaching without credentials. If he would have gone to the zoning board, they would have said, Jesus, you are out of order because you are building people without permits. If he would have gone to the Department of Health, asking for permission to help you and I, they would have said, Jesus, you are at high risk for toxicity because you walk through tombstones and you open up graves and you make dead people come forth. You don't even clean them up. You hug them and expose everybody to the elements. Don't you know you need a 21-day infection control quarantine? You put people at risk for too many infections. Jesus, you cannot walk among the tombstones without getting dirty. Why don't you just stay in the boat and pray for them? Stay in the boat and sponsor them. Why don't you send some missionaries to help them? But Jesus, you cannot walk among the tombstones. Has God opened some doors for you? Has God made some ways for you? You woke up this morning clothed in your right mind. Well, I don't know about you, but I woke up clothed in my right mind. I didn't put my shoes on my head and my hat on my feet. I'm thankful for the storms he's already brought me through. Have you had any rivers that seem uncrossable? Any mountains that seem insurmountable? I want to recommend Dr. Jesus to you. 
when you follow him, the faltering gets sanctified. When you follow him, the famished get satisfied. When you follow him, the faithless get stupefied. I recommend him to you. Let him walk among your tombstones.